Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Paul said you, that each person is responsible to possess their own vessel. So a part of your vessel is your mind and your emotions. Now, I'm not saying you should be emotionless. I sh- I'm saying that uh, you have the self-control of the resurrected one on the inside of you. And how many know Jesus was balanced in his emotion? Amen? And he didn't, he's not asking you to do something that he didn't empower you to do. Amen? So we have control over our minds, our bodies, our emotions. We don't have to do uh, what our flesh desires, and we don't have to follow the course of the world. And, you know, it goes back to this illustration again, um, and it just is so true. It's just an easy fit. I guess I could find another one, but this one seems to work pretty good. But um, the course of the world is flowing dead, right? And I've used this example before, but it's true. Any dead fish can float downstream. Because sometimes people think, well, I wish, just wish the problems would go away. I wish, you know... Uh, I wish the government would do this, or the government would do that, or if this would have happened, or that would have happened. Ah, wishes. (laughs) How many have noticed that faith is a fight? Amen? And you and I are built for the fight. You say, what do you mean by that? Because people will say to me, you just don't know my personality. My personality is not that way. Well... If your personality, if you're talking about your personality in regards to your natural, okay, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about your personality in regards to the resurrection, which is fight. How many know the Lord is not rolling over against the enemy? He's not going, oh, you're right, devil, you wore me out. Let's do it your way. Well, the church can't go that direction either, and so what you have to learn to do is recognize when your flesh and the enemy are working you as far as your vessel and fight against that. Amen? Use your faith from the scriptures that you've learned, from the teaching you've had over the years, from the teaching you've had here. Use the weapons of your warfare and fight. Amen? And people say, well, sometimes it's really hard. Get in your closet and pray in the Holy Ghost until your emotions change. And people say, pray in the Holy Ghost, what does that mean? Pray in other tongues. Well, I'm not, I haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. Come see me after the service, we'll get you filled. Tonight, amen? People say, it's Bible study, you're not supposed to do that. We do it no matter what. I don't see where Paul was like, well, we're in an open air meeting, nobody can get filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so... I'll get off that. All right, so let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Thank you for all the birthday wishes. I'm slightly older than Lola, (laughs) and she's better looking, so. (laughs) Lola thought, you know, the 27th of January is a good day. That's a good day to be Pastor Sean's birthday's on that day. I'm coming that day. (laughs) Praise God. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, but it's living on the edge. All right, so ten minutes. Well, you know, that's that's 
you know, you're getting in the blessing, even if it's at 10 minutes. You... <laughs> All right. Praise God. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. We'll pray, and then we'll get right into this word. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the teacher. Father, this word is full of life. We have not uh, seen or walked in the depths of what is written here yet. Lord, we know there is so much more, and we're so thankful for it. Holy Spirit, help me to express through utterance and boldness and love what it is that you want your body to see, your church to see. What truths will unlock and transform the minds of those that are listening or will listen later on, Father, uh, to help them walk in a greater level and realization of the power of Christ within us. And so we ask you for this, we believe you for it, and thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. All right, Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to review just a little bit here. Uh, uh, Two weeks ago, we were in verse 12 and 13 in Philippians chapter 2, and we did a really good job of getting through one verse in that Bible study. Sometimes I get done, I'm like, Lord, we're never going to get out of Philippians if we don't, you know. So I can't tell if it's me or if I should blame the Lord. I haven't figured it out yet, but uh, it's probably me. So, But Philippians 2.13 says this, for it is God who what? Works in you. Say this with me. Say he works in me. Both to will and to do for what? His good pleasure. So we saw that in verse 12 and 13, it can almost seem like they contradict each other, but they don't. And what we saw from verse 12 and 13 is this, and this is kind of just a little bit of a review, but we saw that verse 12 delineates the human responsibility and verse 13, the divine responsibility. It is never either or. The scriptural approach is not let go and let God, but get in there with God. Okay, so it's not let go and let God, it's get in there with God, amen? So in a sense, Christians were saved the moment they believed. They are being saved as the Holy Spirit applies the sanctification process to their lives, and they will be saved at the resurrection. How many realize that? That doesn't mean, now people, you you know, you can actually be born again, go to heaven, and not participate in the sanctification process. Because your entry into heaven is not determined by your works. We know this from Ephesians 2.8. But if you keep reading in Ephesians and you get down to verse 10, you'll see that you're created unto good works. Okay? So there's both working here. Um, the, the thing that you need to realize is, and you need to separate this in your mind, you are never going to get into heaven because you do enough good. Okay? Now, people will take that truth and ignore Ephesians 2.10 that says you're created unto good works. So what happens always, now listen to me, always this happens. Because this is, if this is stated once in uh, the epistles that Paul wrote, it's stated multiple times. What happens every single time that a person hears the message of grace but doesn't apply the resurrection, in other words, to their natural fleshly desires, you always have a really carnal Christian. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, carnal Christians look just like the world and it's hard to tell the difference. But if you press them, if you press them hard enough, they'll, they'll tear up over Jesus. 
I've seen this. I've watched this. I've, I've, I've seen it in my own uh, uh, minute in the ministry through the years and being a Christian. I mean, when I was first saved, you may not have known it. I mean, I'd talk about Jesus in, 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 in one sentence and be off in the flesh in another, you know, and I'm do that less today <laughs> than I used to. How about you? How many can... Yeah, okay. So you always, with people, you always want to exercise a high level of patience. You know, I'll be, uh, there are many, (laughs) through the years I've experienced this, but there are many uh, good believers that may cuss on you. I never get a lot of, you know, shouts and runs on these things. So, and I've said this before, can you imagine Jesus using the F word? (laughs) Now watch now, listen to me. Just because you did, or somebody did, we won't say you. We'll just say, it probably happened somewhere. (laughs) Okay? Just because that happened does not mean you lost your salvation. It just means you need to work on putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision for the flesh. Amen? Amen? You know, and, and that's okay. I'm not, listen, now, I've said this before. It's none of our board members that I know of yet. But I've heard board members cuss, man. <laughs> All right? And they didn't, you know, I grew up, my grandpa was thoroughly saved, but he was a shoot cusser sometimes. You say, what do you mean by that? Like a ranch cusser. If he got upset enough, well, you'd hear a word or two. They weren't the real bad ones. You know, they were the ones that maybe, you know, they thought, Maybe on the edge or, (laughs) but I knew he was upset, you know, but my grandpa was saved. He didn't get into, you know, you know, he didn't get up to the pearly gates. This is just illustration. This isn't doctrine, but, uh, and, and Peter's like, "Hmm." you know, so he used a few swear words after he got saved to purgatory. No. Okay. (laughs) Different denomination. All right. So, (laughs) all right. So. That's not going to happen. Why? Because you're not getting into heaven based on your works. You're getting into heaven based on Jesus' works and your faith in it. Amen. Now, you're affecting your witness by your works. You're affecting your saltiness and your lightiness. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's close. (laughs) So you're affecting those things, and that's what we need to be aware of because disciples of Christ are aware of others more than themselves. Amen. That's a tough one because we are selfish. I mean, it is the nature, I should say this, the nature of our flesh is selfishness. And so we like to voice our opinions and do things in such a way that are a benefit to the flesh. But the stronger you get in the Lord, the less you let your flesh dominate you. Amen. And so that's the delineation that we're seeing here between verse 12 and 13. We're seeing that we need to get in there with God. I'm going to heaven because I'm born again. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a pastor. I can't earn it. I was, in fact, I was talking to a guy who was doing some work in the, in the sanctuary here, and he said to me, and we, we got to talking about the Lord, which usually I do with people. I love it when people come from the outside that I never see, you know. God always opens a door for me to preach the gospel to him. And it seems like a lot of Mormons. I don't know why, but it happens that way. Anyway, that's fine. Because Mormons believe they wanna, they're going to go to heaven based on their works. 
And this gentleman was not a Mormon, but in this situation, he said to me, he said, I believe I'll get in. I said, really, how do you, how do you think you will? Because he believes in God. Now listen to me. He believes in Jesus. You know what I mean by that? I don't know that he believes his, his ticket to heaven. It's the door. But he believes in him in a general sense. And, uh, and, he, and he said to me, he said, well, I, I believe I you know, do enough good things. And I said, have you read the law? And he said, well, yeah. I said, you really think you're going to do enough good things? And that was where the conversation ended. But, and it was intentional. In other words, what's sitting with him now? The words of the Lord to him. And then I told him, I said, look, the only way I'm getting into heaven is because I have my faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And that's how I'm getting in. That's how I'm born again. Now, from that wonderful born-again place, not only do I get into the pearly gates, so to speak, get to walk the streets of gold, but I also have an impartation of resurrection to be able to live a sanctified life here. I have the ability, as Paul stated to us in Romans, I believe, 13, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision forethought for the flesh. Now, I don't do that perfectly, but I'm stronger today than I was 10 years ago. And by the time I'm done, I'll be, you know, I hope the measure of the stature of Christ is where we're headed. I don't know that anybody's hit it yet. I mean, in full demonstration. Maybe some have, and I don't know about it. But I know Brother Hagin, as good of an illustration as he was to the rest of the body of Christ concerning these things, he would talk about the love of God, and he'd say, just when I thought... I had it down. He said, something happened and knocked my head where my feet were a few seconds ago. And I'd realize, not there yet. <laughs> and so we keep growing, amen? And we keep developing. But how many know we can get heavy on the sanctified side and real light on the fleshy side? Amen? All right. So Christians are in this process. Um, so am I supposed to work or is God supposed to work? That was the question we looked at. Am I supposed to work or is God supposed to work? The answer is yes. <laughs> Remember, it is not let go and let God. It is get in there with God. Amen? So instead of saying, Lord, you know, now if the Lord leads you to pray for somebody, to have somebody minister to him, that's one thing. But if you have somebody on their heart, don't just go, Lord, yeah, send somebody. He's trying to send you. <laughs> Amen? He wants you to go and stay and speak and lay hands on whatever it is. So be aware of that. Amen? All right. So let's get down into verse 14. I could go more into, into that, but I want to get into verse 14 lest we only get through one verse. All right. Verse 14 says this. Do all things without what? Now, I think there's whole sections of the church that, thought said, that they thought that said, do everything with lots of complaining and make sure you fight with everybody because you're not at church if you're not in a fight. <laughs> Amen. It's, I mean, I've watched it through the years, and I've participated in it. And we know that specifically chapter 2 in Philippians is talking about keeping the fight outside the walls of the church. Because what do we know? The devil will put pressure outside the church and 
That pressure is designed to find its way inside the church. So Christians that are under tribulation, under suffering, going through things that are difficult, they tend to feel that. And if the enemy can get you into your feelings, then he'll get that whole process start to work inside the church. Amen? It'll work individually in families. It'll work corporately in the church if enough families get it working in them. It'll, you start fights everywhere. Uh, Brother Hagin shared this with us. He, he said he pastored, he, he pastored for 12 years, and his primary call was not to pastor, but I thought this was such a good illustration. He said he felt like God gave him every troubled church in the area where he pastored just to teach him, just to train him. He said he had to walk in love, and he learned the love walk so strong through that process. He said where he pastored and where he ministered was in uh, Texas in the Blackland area, and so there was a lot of smaller farming communities and stuff like that, and churches were made up of like whole families on either side because you get these small communities, and it's one family after another, and half the family, he said, would sit on one side of the church, and the other half would sit on the other, and they're all fighting with each other. He said they look across the aisle and stare daggers at each other. You know, right after you get done singing, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I love you, Jesus, you hate your brother. You don't love God if you hate your brother. I said, and I'm quoting scripture, you don't understand what love is. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't understand what the law of love is if you're still thinking about what they did to you. Amen. We are empowered to walk in love. We are empowered to forgive the way Jesus forgave, by the Holy Spirit. What happens in this process is we develop through testing if we respond with the Word of God. If we don't, we'll have to go around that mountain again. How many of you remember the Israelites going around the mountain, around the mountain, around the mountain? The Amplified says this, do all things without grumbling and fault-finding and complaining. So if the Lord says, do all things without this, is it possible? <laughs> okay, so let's not make excuses why we can't. Let's believe God and repent when we don't. Amen? So don't talk about my situation's too difficult. No, no, no. Your understanding of your grace is not as full as it should be because your situation is not the problem. Amen. What did the Lord say? He said, with the, with the temptation, there is always a what? A way of escape, right? He always provides a way of escape. Always. And so it's never too difficult. It's just a matter of seeing it the way God does. So to complain means murmuring, muttering, secret debate or secret displeasure, which is where most of this happens. I mean, a lot of Christians realize they shouldn't verbalize it, at least publicly. They, they think, you know, they realize, I, I probably shouldn't verbalize this thing, but I'm going to let it live inside of me. It's a secret debate. Do you see what I'm saying? Or I'm only going to talk to my spouse about it and the four people that are in my prayer group that I really trust. And they'll pass it on to the four people in their prayer group who they really trust. And before you know it, so-and-so in the church is an axe murderer, 
and we all need to stay away from that person. Do you see what I'm saying? Stop it. Just don't, just cut it off to say, no, I'm not going to go there. And if the devil keeps bringing it back to you, just keep saying, no, devil, I'm not going to participate in that. No flesh, we're not going that direction. We're not going to participate in that at all. We're going to submit to the word of God, follow the grace of God within us and walk in love. So disputing means doubtful or doubting. The thinking of a man deliberating within himself is what that word means. Inward reasoning, a deliberating, questioning about what is true. So this is kind of a, uh, you know, nobody's ever, you're never satisfied type thing. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And you're just always disputing and arguing. You're just, you got to argue about everything. Why do you need to argue about everything? Satisfy and settle your heart in the peace with, in peace with the Lord. And if there is something legitimate, pray about it and leave it alone. Amen? All right. So, um, in this chapter, we're dealing with the cohesion or unity of the church in Philippi between one another. Paul here has turned to complaining and disputing. The enemy desires to get this worked into any body of believers. It is one of his most effective tools in reducing the power or effectiveness of any church. It'll affect the flow. Because the Holy Spirit is flowing through vessels between us. We're, so the body of Christ as a whole is joined together through ligaments, right? We're, we're each a part of each other in Christ. Well, have you ever woke up in the morning and decided you just didn't like your hand anymore and you took a hammer to it? I'm not talking about accidentally. I'm like, I hate this hand. I'm just going to beat the snot out of this hand. But that's what you're doing if you attack the body of Christ, a legitimate part of the body of Christ, um, from an attitude and a heart of complaining and disputing. You, you move into this place of actually functioning within the body under the influence of the enemy and the flesh. Amen? And so we don't want to do that. We want to stop that. And your healing and the body's health and the ability of the power, to go, of power of God to move like he wants to do in the Holy Spirit is affected by each one of us. It doesn't mean that one person can stop everything, but it has an effect. At the very least, even if the majority believe God and they walk in love, okay, which is what we're after, if, if a minority doesn't, it'll affect your ability to receive in the midst of the glory of God flowing. Does that make sense? In other words, it keeps you out of the river. And the power of God can be flowing all around you. Miracles can be happening. God can be doing amazing things in people's lives around you. And it's like God's dead to you. And the reason is not even because you're not born again. It's because your heart has gotten hard. You've gotten calloused in your conscience. There's too much flesh going on and there needs to be a repentance. And when that takes place, then there's an opening up and God can begin to deal with you on the inside. And most people get afraid of that process. I'm not saying they don't all follow through. I'm saying they get afraid of it. Because how many have noticed God will just deal with you right where you're at? Have you ever noticed that about the Lord? He doesn't sit back and go, no, I don't want to talk about that either because it makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) God doesn't care. He doesn't get uncomfortable. He's just like, this is what it is. Let's deal with it. Why? Because his motivation is not just dealing with the problem and going, I know the answer. His motivation is yours and my, what? Salvation. 
So his goal, everything he does in my life, has a predetermined will from before I was ever born. And that predetermined will is for my good and his glory. Amen? And the same is true for you. So we need to avoid, we need to be careful about staying out of complaining, okay? So proper growth and fulfillment of the promises, prophecies, and the prophecies over our lives will occur as we apply these truths. The contrary is true as well. They will not occur if we don't apply these truths. This was precisely the kind of behavior that caused the Israelites to be judged through the desert wanderings. In other words, they just kept whining and whining and whining and whining and God would do a miracle and, oh, we love the Lord. And then it was hot the next day. Oh, we want shade and, oh, I'm tired of the bread. I need meat. And it was just this up and down thing constantly. Why? Spiritual immaturity. Spiritual maturity will say, what is the promise? Oh, that's the promise? Okay, let's go take the walled cities. Spiritual immaturity will will go spy out the land and go, the giants are too big. We're grasshoppers. And we all know, because we've read the passages, we all know that once once the second generation got in to Jericho and they were talking with uh, Rahab, what did she say? We're all afraid of you. And yet, the first generation was afraid of the ones that were afraid of them because of an unrenewed mind. And we can function that way today if we're not careful. So we need to be careful about this. Let's apply these truths. Well, I don't feel like it's true. You're in a great place to be in faith. Make a decision to believe God. Let me say this again. Make a decision to believe God. I choose to believe God. Okay? So that doesn't exempt me from giants or walled cities. It empowers me to go through them. It empowers you to go through them. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, so that's faith. It's pretty basic faith right there, but, but that's, what we need to be, that's how we need to be thinking. Okay, verse 15, let's go on. The Lord says this, that you may be, become blameless. He's saying this, uh, the Holy Spirit's saying this through, the, through Paul, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse, uh, this verse in the Amplified says this, that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse. How many have noticed that's our generation? Okay. Among whom you are seen as what? Bright lights. You are seen as stars or beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. So what do we see here? This first phrase, that ye may be blameless without cause for blame and harmless, pure, unadulterated. All of this is for our continued growth and maturity. So when we don't complain, when we don't follow the course of the world, we appear blameless. In other words, we're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're making no provision for the flesh, what does that cause? That causes us to be spiritually mature, which causes what? 
us to be a beacon of light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Do you see that? So as you're functioning in the Word of God, as as the body of Christ is growing and developing in the Word of God, and we continue to operate, we wake up every day and go, look, okay, Lord, today I choose to put you on and put my flesh off. I choose to crucify the nature of my flesh, my desires, my fleshly desires, and I choose to allow Holy Spirit desires to flow through my vessel. Come on, now think about this. Think about this with me. What do you think Peter's shadow healing people was? That was Peter saying, I'm putting the flesh off, Christ flow through me. Now we like that part. We don't necessarily like the other parts of those promises. You know, like pray for those who hate you and persecute you. But see, that's the same resurrection. Just as much as a divine healing is, so is this. When, when, when Stephen cried out, Lord, lay not this sin against their charge, while he's being stoned, do you think that had an impact on the Apostle Paul? Because he was there. He was holding coats. You know, it's like the bank robber that drives the car. (laughs) He may not be in the bank, but if somebody gets killed in the bank, he's an accessory to murder. Paul was an accessory to murder. But in the midst of murder, what comes out of Stephen? Resurrection. He did not release flesh. He released resurrection. Amen? And, and they stoned a guy. Well, you know, should we really be surprised that what's going on today? They crucified Jesus. What bad thing did Jesus do? We need to quit looking for justice among men. We need to quit. What I, what I mean by that is that we need to put all our trust in the Lord. Because how many I know men are going to fail? They will. We've failed, right? We can sit back and go, that's not right, and it's not right. But guess what? For generations, people have been proving repeatedly that not right will be done over and over and over again. Even if the evidence is stacked 10 miles high, and we know it was bigger than that with Jesus because the Bible says that if it, the, they recorded everything he did, it, the seas wouldn't be enough to carry the books, right? The waters wouldn't be enough. That is a lot of miracles. And even in the midst of that, we're like the, the, the religious leaders and those with that sin nature who refuse to repent with all of that in front of them stand up and go, we need to kill him. Why? We're going to lose our position. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Oh, come on. Line them up. One knife after another. Why? Position, power, money. I'm going to do good with my position. You can only do good with your position of leadership if you're dead to yourself. I can only do good if I'm dead to myself. That's what Jesus demonstrated to us. Come on, remember the verses we read previously in Philippians 2. He became obedient to what? Death. To death. Not only that, to the death of the cross. 
which is like the worst kind of death in that day. That is a level of obedience and commitment to the Father that is admirable. And most of the time, as believers, I know for me, my natural, and I talked about this before, but most of the time I'm going, how can I preserve my life? (laughs) You know, how can I preserve my time? Me time. I just need me time. I remember Jesus saying that. Nope, don't. Now, if you're talking about you, you're going to make time to spend time with the Lord, that's one thing for sure. And the Lord will lead you to go do things that you enjoy. He will. But it's some pe- most people, it's not that way. Most, I'm talking about most believers. Most believers, it's, you know, they figure it out. They don't let the Lord figure it out. Amen? Well, we'll get into this more and more, but I bet it won't be tonight because it's about five verses down. Oh. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. I think I'm just going to start recording these all week, and then you'll have to catch up, and then I'll just come in where... (laughs) No, this is good. Are you learning anything? All right, good. Okay, okay. All right. So he says, uh, he talks about the fact that, um, that you may be blameless and harmless. We're to be blameless and harmless. And we do this by working out our salvation. So not only does the world see a proper witness for Christ, but our fellowship with other believers is enriched by spiritual maturity. If I'm blameless and harmless and you're blameless and harmless, we can walk in here in the unity of love and faith works by love and God flows in a place where faith is and there's no hindrance to the flow. Amen. And so it's the supreme witness of the church that we love one another. Well, I don't agree on every little point. I don't either. I don't even agree with me on every little point. But I agree to walk in love. And there are things that other ministers will preach or teach, and I'm going, how? (laughs) You know what I mean? And I feel like Brother Hagin, you know? And he would say, he had all these sayings. But he would say, that's dumb. Capital D. Capital U. Capital M. (laughs) capital B, dumb, you know, and he would make these statements. Or I, one of my favorite modern ones is Andrew Womack, you know, how dumb can you get and still breathe? People say, is that walking in love? Well, it might be on the border, but hopefully it's a shaking to awakening, right? All right. <laughs> so the second part of this verse says, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation or nation. The word crooked is the word scolios. It's where we get the medical term scoliosis. We're straightening them out, right? (laughs) Our witness before the world should be as obvious as a straight rope placed in the middle of ropes that are twisted and into knots. Twisted into knots. Only the new birth and the word of God can take an unbeliever whose life is bent by sin and twisted by the world's viewpoint and straighten it out. The world cannot straighten itself out because its problems are not natural. We're going to pass this law. We're going to pass this law. We're going to make this okay. We're going to make this okay. Go ahead. You're going to continue to starve spiritually because there's only one way to be straightened out. Amen? 
So he says, they must be seen through the eyes of the spirit, the problems, and understood in the light of the conflict between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. A mature believer is the only one who can properly perceive and understand the world's problems. Next part of this verse, he says, among whom ye shine as lights or great lights in the world. The analogy here is of the sun and moon, which shine forth their lights in the darkness of outer space. This is how we are in the devil's darkened world. The more maturity we walk in, the more light we give forth. This is why discipleship is so important. You notice Jesus didn't say go into all the world and make converts. He said what? Make disciples. Why? It's one thing to be born again. It's another to know what you have. It's another to know your authority and walk in it and exercise it. And everywhere you go, light shines. You walk in and the devil goes, oh, let's get out. Now, people hear me say that and they go, oh, you're arrogant. No, no, no. You're arrogant if you don't yield to what the Lord said about you. Because he said that you had authority in his name. I am not saying I'm the power. You know, like Brother Hagin used to say to us, I can't heal a gnat's wing. In other words, he's not the power. He's functioning in the authority and the power that Christ has provided. And that's what you're doing as a disciple of the Lord. Amen? So the world system is filled with corruption because it is backed by Satan, the God of this world, 1 John 4, 4. This is not, uh, this will not be completely changed until the second advent of Jesus Christ. In the meantime, we are ambassadors of Jesus uh, in Jesus' place. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says you're an ambassador of heaven. You're an ambassador of Christ. He was the original light of God the Father. We saw that, in, you see that in John 1, 7 through 9 and Hebrews 1, 3. And now as, a, as mature believers, we have been called to shine in his place until his return. Amen? All right. So instead of murmuring and disputing about the process through which the Holy Spirit takes us, Christians should become blameless and harmless. Become shows the progressive nature of the experience. Blameless literally means free from defect, and harmless has the sense of unadulterated. The latter term often was used, talking about unadulterated, that uh, in that day to distinguish wine that had been watered down. The beautiful process, this beautiful process takes place in a crooked or wicked and perverse generation. So we're being, we're, we're showing forth the glories of God in the midst of a generation and a group of people that are going darker and darker and darker. We are walking the opposite path. We're swimming upstream while others are floating downstream. Amen. Carrying resurrection life within us. Christians live in a real world rather than growing in a greenhouse setting. You know, people say, we have authority over storms, and then they get in the middle of a storm and go, what are we going to do? <laughs> well, you're all dressed up, nowhere to go. In other words, you have authority, use it. Everybody loves the revival that happened on the, isle, on the island of Melita, right? Under, with Paul, right? But nobody wants to go through the ship ride.
Isn't that the truth? I mean, I'm preaching to myself. Lord, is there a less crooked path we could take? You know, one where you just kind of float me to where I need to be. Yee! So we see here, and we'll finish with this, that the potency of the resurrection can be greater or lesser depending on our spiritual maturity. Remember, watered down wine is the analogy. So the more we walk out of the spirit, the more, the stronger the proof of the wine is, okay? We should ask ourselves the question, as a Christian, how potent of a life am I serving? Our goal should be, come on, you former drinkers, a hundred proof. People should walk in and go, I need to mix you with something because you're strong. <laughs> All right? In other words, resurrection in us developed to where people go, whoo, what do you have? Now, I'm not talking about the preacher. I think the preacher should too. I'm talking about you and everybody in this church. Our goal is what? To have bodies holy, filled, and flooded with God himself. Amen? Specifically, by the Philippians dealing with the problem of internal strife as members of God's redeemed community, the new Israel, they had the potential of becoming faultless, something Israel could never claim before God. This is why they died in the wilderness. It is vital that every church has a strong, healthy group of disciples to weigh anchor and keep the ship in line moving forward. Sometimes, and this is what disciples, disciples should be this way. Why don't you stand with me? Disciples are this way. Disciples hold the immature. Did you know that? Come on. How many realize that when your babies were born, they couldn't do much? Disciples, strong believers, hold the babies. They keep them strong. So when the boat's rocking and things are, oh, it doesn't look like, oh, this went wrong and all that happened and all, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. The Lord, he is God. Let's believe him. Yeah, but it looks terrible and I feel this and I feel, I know you do, I know you do. Just calm down. The Lord, he is God. I just don't see how we're going to get, I know, I know. But the just shall live and walk by faith. That's why you need a good church. This is why you need fellowship. You need brothers and sisters around you that go, yep. And people, <laughs> like I love this, the spirit of faith in them, they'll swing over hell on a cornstalk and spit in the devil's eye. Now people, you say that and people go, don't say that. 
You know, what if the devil hears you? You say it. We said it for his benefit. <laughs> right? In other words, we're not going to be moved by what we see or feel. We're developing spiritually every day, every day, every day. You know what the thing about being a long-distance runner is? You've got to train by running long distances. And your flesh and my flesh recoils at hard training. But within you lies the ability the ability that went to the cross and was raised out of hell. You'll make it all the way till the end. Come on, do you believe it? You need to believe it for you. I'm de I declare it over you, but you'll make it all the way to the end. This is just a rough patch. It may feel like you're floating on the piece of the ship that you were in, <laughs> you know what? There's an island coming. And if you study how they went out of that island, they were so wealthy, they were blessed, blessed. And a whole island about got saved and tons of healings and manifestations happened. Most people, though, they're, they're floating on that and then they get on the island. What's the first thing Paul does? You know, he was a high and mighty apostle. He's gathering firewood. He, wasn't, he didn't have a bunch of servants around him going, now you do this for me, and you carry my bag, and you do this, and you do that. What was he doing? He, he was running around gathering wood so he could build, build fire. And what happens in the midst of that? He gets bit by a viper. And apparently it was a deadly one because everybody's following him around going, he's swelling up and going to die at any second. We know that viper. <laughs> and how many of there's no anti-venom then? You know, it's not like he could go, where is St. V's? You know what I mean? He couldn't go anywhere, you know? But what did he do? He shook it off in the fire, right? Which is prophetic, right? You guys realize? The snake shaking the fire off? Okay. Some of you maybe didn't. You're like, oh, yeah, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> but he shook it off in the fire and just went on his way. A lot of believers would go, Lord, you got me through the, the storm and the ship fell apart. We made it out. I don't even know how, but we did it. And now you let this snake bite me. I don't see that anywhere in Paul's rec record of that. What happened? He went, oh, devil, you tried to kill me out there, but you, can't, you couldn't. So you, okay, nope, I'm not going to bother with this. And then miracles happened. Come on, we're headed to miracles. I ain't quitting. I don't have quit in me. And you don't either. You're born again. You've got win in you. Victory. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We bless you. We receive this word and we'll be doers and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, we'll see you Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.